They're not using what we gave them fairly. And they have to do that. And we don't want to stifle anything. We certainly don't want to stifle free speech. But that's no longer free speech. See, I don't think that the mainstream media is free speech either, because it's so crooked. It's so dishonest. So to me, free speech is not when you see something good and then you purposely write bad. To me, that's very dangerous speech. And you become angry at it. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. And this is Abby Martin. How's it going, everybody? How's it going? Going good. I'm going to answer for everyone. It's going well. <laughs> so, uh, going to open with a little bit of sad news with the podcast today. Actor Rip Torn passed away on July 9th, just a few days ago. Uh, he was 88 years old. And in case nobody out there already knows, um, I'm a huge Larry Sanders show fan. I know you're, you're a fan too, Abby. Um, and, uh, yeah, Rip Torn probably made his mark most in, in show business or just in acting by playing the role of Artie in the Larry Sanders show. Um, Artie was the producer of the show. If you're a fan of 30 rock curb your enthusiasm, definitely go back and check out the Larry Sanders show because I mean, 30 rock is almost kind of like a joke. And I don't mean that in a favorable way. I mean that in like, it's like a terrible representation like a watered down <laughs> version of like how brilliant the larry sanders show was it's all very human it's not just a comedy show they humanize everybody in these amazing ways the writing is so good the show makes you laugh and cry and it's not an exaggeration it's one of the only shows i think that manages to do that yeah not as jokey as 30 rock and i mean rip torn had the best name in hollywood hands down yeah, absolutely amazing stage name. It's a shame to see both of them pass away. I mean, Gary Shandling was taken far too young, and it's sad to see Rip Torn go as well, a, a hugely underrated talent in Hollywood. Yeah, and I was just trying to recall like movie or film roles that he had were memorable, and I was just remembering, do you remember the movie Defending Your Life, Abby, with Albert Brooks, where he goes to heaven? Vaguely, like, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. Rip yeah. Torn. I mean, it's a it's a pretty funny movie, uh, pretty brilliant as well. But Rip Torn plays sort of like his caseworker, deciding if he's going to go to heaven or not. It's it's a good, totally. interesting movie, and he, Rip Torn's great in that. Um, but yeah, go back check the Larry Sanders show out. So uh, we'll miss you, Rip Torn. Eighty eight years is a long long time to live. So at least he had a full life. Yeah, we'll miss you, man. And uh, on a pos- more positive note. We just saw Midsummer, um, an incredible film. Who was the director, actually? Let me. Uh, I want to say Ari Aster. Ari I mean, Aster, yeah, yeah, Ari Aster. Ari, Ari Aster. It's a directorial debut. Hereditary was his first like feature-length movie, but I had actually heard of Ari many years ago with, I guess, what is his uh, film school thesis project. I didn't realize it at the time. I just thought it was a really fucked up, weird quasi short film somebody uploaded online called there's something strange about the johnsons that's a really disturbing sexually depraved movie about a son in a family who rapes his dad rapes his father and has a sexually abusive relationship with his own father and it's very disturbing it's really the only horror 
element to the movie. Um, so that was my introduction to this guy. And then Hereditary was his first legit movie. And then it only seems like it took a year for this one to come out. So I kind of like went into it kind of with low expectations thinking, well, this seems kind of rushed. It seems like a Wicker Man ripoff. Maybe it, the trailer made it seem kind of like not very interesting. Um, it seemed like something I had seen before, but I was pretty blown away. And without really spoiling anything, I mean, it just really went above and beyond my expectations. And it really was like a piece of art. I mean, you can't even just say it's a horror movie. Absolutely, yeah. The the cinematography, the costumes, um, the music, the actors, I mean, pretty much everything about it was very artistically done, extremely brilliant, I thought. Um, and it was more straightforward than I thought it would be, but I liked that. Um, and I actually went into it not having seen the trailer or really knowing anything oh, about good. it. So I went in totally fresh. Um, but, I mean, it's hard to follow up from Her- Hereditary, really. Yeah. That was one of the most brilliant horror movies I've seen in years. Probably one of my most favorite horror movies of all time. It was, like, really, yeah. really mind-blowing, extremely cleverly done. You know, it's a hard act to follow, yeah. especially within your first year. Um, so I was honestly thinking it would be like an M. Night Shyamalan type thing where, you know, he's going to rush out there, all this pressure from Hollywood, and then just kind of unroll like something that was just not very good. And it was totally the opposite. It really, really blew my mind. And I thought it was an excellent follow up. And I think we're going to see a lot more amazing things from Ari Aster. Yeah. Like I, I mean, now that I've seen two of his movies and they're both like a swing and a home run, I mean, I'm like really, really excited to see what he does next. Like after seeing Hereditary, I was like, oh, this guy's really interesting. This movie's really new, sort of fresh. But now seeing like two real winners in a row, I'm just really excited. I mean, I can't say the same thing, sadly, about Jordan Peele. And I know you, right. you more or less agreed with me on us how much of a letdown that felt coming off of the heels of Get Out, which was was so brilliant. So. Right. I mean, especially because I saw all of the Twilight Zone episodes that Jordan Peele, I'm pretty sure, wrote. Uh, I could be wrong. I heard that they, that there was, um, it's one of those shows that front loaded the season with all of the best episodes and, and they like knew which ones were strong and which ones are weak. I didn't see it, but I just heard that it yeah. really drops off. Yeah, I mean, I hate to use the term SJW, but it was like very, very leaning very heavily on like <laughs> oh, no. social justice warrior concepts to the point where it's almost like too much, even for me, you know, which it was like is, which very is saying on the a lot. nose. Yeah. It's just taking it so far away from the original Twilight Zone. I mean, there definitely were some brilliant moments yeah. in the series, but it, it almost just felt kind of like a caricature, especially because every single episode lended from the original Twilight Zone concepts. It was like every single episode was not only an homage to an original Twilight Zone idea, but then also kind of lean on like a heavy social commentary about either police brutality or, you know, feminism or something like that. And it just felt like it was just too that much. Boring. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would recommend still checking it out um, because there were some really good moments. But again, it's like when you're trying to stretch these concepts into hour long episodes, like that becomes really difficult too. Yeah. So I just felt I feel like that way a lot lately. It's just like things are just too long. Yeah, the only you know? shows I'm really enjoying right now is an animated show called Young Justice. That's on the DC uh streaming network. <laughs> they really flubbed right, the Swamp Thing show. Uh Doom mm-hmm. Patrol, which is the only good live action show they had is already over. 
Yeah, I mean, Twilight Zone. It, it actually, I'd be fine with it if if Jordan Peele had episodes where they were actually just like sequels to some of the original classic Twilight Zone episodes, like going to the same place or right, like uh, something that's supposed to like continue the story from an old Twilight Zone episode. That would be really interesting, but I'm not surprised to hear that. I mean, you have to give us just out of sheer creativity and ingenuity. I mean, that is very hard to find, I think, now with just so many remakes and yeah. just things being churned out formulaically. So, like, I, I appreciate him for that. I just hope that, you know, he takes a step back and, like, reassesses because it just seemed like things were being churned out too quickly again. It was like the Twilight Zone series and then Us and... Yeah. It's just a lot. Like, I don't know what, what the hell is happening behind the scenes, but it's just like, dude, just let people, like, make things on their own time. Yeah, I mean, he definitely blew up a, a little too hard and fast. I mean, Ari Oster, he is still working within the confines of a small studio system. I think the same studio that put out Hereditary, it was such a surprising hit for them that they they funded this other one, too. And they're, wow, really? I, I think they're even smaller than like Blumhouse. They're one of the smaller studios. So they're, they're considered a true like indie studio still. I hope that he doesn't go into, you know, the, it worries me to, when you, when you're talking about Jordan Peele, cause now I'm like, damn, uh, I hope he doesn't, you know, get into that Hollywood system and, and basically get wrapped into some deal where he has to make a shitty movie. I don't know what really happens, you know? Do you want to move on to the uh, the hot topic where everybody has a fucking take and oh god the and he just ap- thing? he just appeared on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> like three or four episodes after you did right like clockwork Andy no um, yeah you know just making the rounds uh, you know what what's hilarious about this and we are not going to stay on this for long but I think that the most peculiar thing about this Andy no story is that you know he's a provocateur. No, he shouldn't have gotten beat up, but it's like he's literally wanting that. You know, he goes in these people's faces, he's doxing Antifa, he's going and just antagonizing these people every day. That's literally what he lives for, just so something like this can happen. You know, and the grift is just real. I mean, it really is real. He made 200 grand within a couple days. And the real... Hosted by Michelle Malkin. That should be mentioned that she's the oh one who God. started the GoFundMe page for Oh him. my God. So this is all like coordinated. Yeah. The thing that pisses me off the most is how liberal media becomes completely in lockstep with the narrative and helps promote these conservative grifters whenever something like this happens. You mean like Tapper and CNN? Yep. All of a sudden, it's both sidesing everything. Like, well, you know, so conflating Antifa with, of course, the Nazis that they protest. And then now Andy Ngo is some like heroic journalist who was a victim and a martyr and he just gets propelled in the mainstream media and defended by all these liberal pundits. It's pretty fascinating how this all gets rolled out. It is. And I mean, I have, I, yeah, I don't want to spend too long on this either. Cause I can go on this for a long time, but I mean, it, it, it does reveal a lot of ugliness and I, and I don't mean this at all in a way to like say both sides in this at all, but there was, was definitely the corporate media pushing the cement milkshake, bringing on <laughs> neo-Nazis to um, to talk about the story and not saying that they were neo-Nazis. There was a lot of weird bias there. But like on my Twitter feed, I saw just a lot of people just really playing into and taking what I would describe as the bait that this whole mm-hmm. situation was created for and just sort of egging on the the fact that he got like beaten up 
you know, and I and, and let me just clarify, like, I don't actually really know what happened to him. The filming of what happened to him started when whatever happened to him was already happening. Right. There right, is right. no footage leading up to it. Exactly. Vic Berger did a video showing like the chronology, like he had made like a GoPro stream. Andy did um, leading up to it where he already got like hit with a couple of milkshakes before getting like punched or whatever. But <laughs> it's it's I mean, I believe his injuries are real. I, I mean, I don't I, I wouldn't go as far as suggesting he did like a Jesse Smollett thing where he, you know, faked his own injuries. But I don't know what actually happened to him. We don't know what actually yeah. did happen except for what's in that one clip. He de- she didn't show any proof for saying he got a brain hemorrhage. So a lot of this is definitely spin and being manipulated. And it's like an information war. Like we keep talking about mm-hmm. on this podcast that it's impossible to actually tell what really happened. But I just don't think that people should take the bait here. And I'm not even saying like Antifa. I mean, I like, I can understand if I was in an Antifa action and I saw this guy come, I could like understand justifying pushing him around almost more talking about the commentators who, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. don't, understand how I, and I hate to say how bad this looks, but it just, to me, it really is just feeding, giving the right wing just way too much ammunition. That's not worth the ultimate action that's taking place. Of course. So that's, that's the issue I have with it. I have actually huge criticisms of the way Antifa operates or, you know, and I know they're not a cohesive group, but, and I know I said, I was not going to talk about this long. I mean, I, that's why I was posting that Mad Max uh, animated GIF from Fury Road, where it's, uh, where he, you know, it's Tom, what's his name, <laughs> Tom Hardy, <laughs> pointing to that <laughs> naked woman who's like tied to a post, and he's like, "That's bait, right? Don't do, don't go there." I mean, right. if you see Andy No out there with a GoPro camera, and he's from Quillette, who's trying to represent itself as this intellectual liberal, like they people from Quillette get mad when media outlets call them a right wing media outlet. Like, they're still trying to put up this facade that they're liberal. So, like, when you see this guy out there who's claiming to be, like, a, from a liberal intellectual outlet called Quillette that's obvious, that's basically, like, a right-wing outlet in disguise, don't give him the satisfaction that they're looking for. He clearly wanted something to happen to him. He reminds me of the Bagel Boss guy. Have you seen this Bagel Boss meltdown of this guy in a store called no. Bagel Boss. No. It was, it was it was like a viral video where he gets in a fight with um, some of the people behind the counter and somebody tackles him. I'd, I'd say Andy, no, not that he's not a journalist. He's he's like the Bagel Boss guy. Yeah. Having a meltdown. And he wanted this to happen. And I think it's a, I actually think it's a trap argument to be like, he's not a journalist. He's a provocateur. No, the course. word journalist is meaningless. Right. It really is. Right. Like there is no ethical code anymore it's it's a fair game dude look at all the people trump invited at the social media summit which oh we're going to talk god. about this shit's oh over god. there is no journalism well especially because the second you play into the, these people's game it all of a sudden becomes both sidesing and then it all of a sudden becomes where the conservative media just hijacks the narrative and runs with it to the point where you know, the Nazis and Charlottesville, like none of that stuff even matters in, in the dialogue. It's just all of a sudden focused on how Antifa Absolutely. did this. And like this, the cement milkshake thing, I mean, the fact that someone can just write a troll email to the police and we know the police collaborates with Proud Boys. You saw them, you know, fist bumping the Proud Boys yeah. and smoking cigars with them and stuff. So you already know what side they're going to fall on, right? So when you write emails and give them fodder to even insinuate that these milkshakes had quick dry cement in them. And I'm laughing because it is that hilariously stupid. 
but um, and farcical, but it didn't matter because it just got picked up by the police who just put it out there, right, as bait. And then that just got um, taken and, and ran with by every single conservative pundit and especially Jack Sabayek and all of these people. Yeah. And then once you put it out there, it's done. Yeah. And they didn't even have to, like, look at the milkshakes. I mean, it's just it's just so absurd on its face, like quick dry cement takes what like a day to dry like what and and people would be getting sick if that were true it's just like disgusting how much the conservative media network can just completely take over to me it's almost like a borderline bomb threat i almost feel like from a legal perspective if you literally cry a fire in a crowded theater and people get hurt that's a crime it's almost to me it's like saying that someone put poison in the milkshakes and was like trying to poison people yeah, because if you thing. drank quick dry cement, you could die. So right. it's it to me, it's it is really shocking that that this would actually go out. And to me, it and I have no evidence for this. I don't know where the source of it came from. It seems like one of these things that was like concocted on 4chan yeah, like on course. purpose as a deliberate yes. weaponized lie. And then also someone was spreading around pictures of burnt chemical burn hands yep. that was like from a Google image search for chemical burns. That like that straight out of fortune. That's the shit they do. Like well, the, putting, that, putting Sam Hyde on the media when there's a mass shooting, saying mass shooter on the loose. That's why it was so crazy. That yeah, the police. I mean, th- I think that's what really set it off is this police tweet that said like we're looking into this claim, and it's like oh, really absolutely. you're looking into a fake fortune invented meme about cement and the milkshakes it's like what is going on they even doubled down on the reason why they tweeted it out yeah. later they were like one of our beat officers or something saw somebody that mixing something into the milkshake that looked like cement oh my God. lied Dude. why didn't they I, the, just say the whole, they made a mistake yeah the whole situation just shows how much disinformation reigns supreme how anyone can just insert whatever they want as long as it's conservative red meat especially about antifa and it just completely dominates everything. I mean, we can't win against that because then you're immediately put on the defense trying to explain why it doesn't make sense that there was quick dry cement in the milkshakes. You know, you have to like first debunk this absurd thing. They come out so hard and fast with these narrative frameworks that are just too powerful. Like for example, the idea that Proud Boys are fist bumping cops and that there appears to be a relationship on some level. And even um, they they brag about it like Proud Boys themselves brag about the secret communications they have with police and stuff and the and the the solidarity they have. So we know we see evidence of that. There's video of that. There's evidence. Mm-hmm, there's chat mm-hmm. logs. There's whatever. The right wing has already convinced all their followers that the Portland mayor is like pro Antifa and that he's told the police to stand down when Antifa hurt people. Like even in this Andy No video. He goes, keeps going up to the police every time a milkshake hits him to ask them to like arrest <laughs> the people to try to reinforce this narrative that I'm just describing. Right. Can you imagine how crazy the right wing would go if like a video was recorded of an Antifa guy with a face mask on fist bumping a cop? Right. They would go nuts, dude. Yeah. It's like it doesn't matter what the no. truth is because they can play both sides of the narrative and no. make it all about them as the martyrs and the victims. Yeah. And there's, you're just never like going to find video like that. that. Right. Well, of course not. I mean, most of the people who do get arrested are these people doing Antifa actions. People on the right uh, saying stuff like, no one got arrested, like no one from Antifa got arrested, while at the same time other right-wingers putting out, showing all the mugshots of the people who did get arrested, saying, look at how ugly all these people are. She can't even keep track of their memes anymore. Of course, they don't care. 
it's just so crazy the way things have gone and this is not because of trump i don't i don't see how you put this back in the bottle it's too over the top i mean it's just really sad that this is what the internet has done to people instead of yeah. making people smarter and more enlightened it's like the world's information at your fingertips and people just resort to like literal untruths and meme warfare should we talk about the social media summit or should we save it for let's, later and keep let's save it let's save it let's just go through some of these let's try to sure. speed through some of these uh, yeah, other headlines that have happened i mean there were two earthquakes in a row that affected both areas as far as las vegas and la the epicenter was right around the area of um, the China Lake Army Base. Tell us what your experience is like, because you were basically told me it was the scariest, craziest quake you've ever felt. The second one was. Right. So the first one, I was in my car and I just thought my car was stalling. It just felt like it was, you know, the traction wasn't meeting the street. And then I immediately, of course, got a text. Did you feel that? And I knew that it was an earthquake. But the next day... At night, I was just sitting on the couch and Mike was sitting there and we just started to feel it. But it was a rolling, like two minute long, Whoa. extremely intense earthquake that was bigger than the one the previous day. Apparently, the one the previous day was a um, pre-shock or whatever, a foreshock, I guess, is the technical term. Whoa. So I guess there's like a one in 20 chance that the, the earthquake the next day is not going to be an aftershock. It could be like bigger. Um, Wait, than, than describe the, the rolling sensation. Like It just felt like you were on a roller coaster. I mean, it really was the most intense feeling and it just never stopped. Was and the frequency the fast, like a vibration or was no, it a it was slow just, roll? It was a slow roll that felt like you were going up and down on a roller coaster and we, we got up and we're standing shit. under the uh under the doorway but it just didn't stop like after two whole minutes i didn't know if it had actually stopped or if my body was just reverberating from wow. like, the, the earthquake still it was really intense very dramatic i was so scared because the day before it's always fun when there's like a little earthquake you know, growing up in California, you're like, oh, did you feel that? And everyone kind of like laughs about it. Like, oh, where were you when the earthquake happened? But this one was not fun. I was like, okay, I'm over it. I am actually fucking terrified. We need to get an earthquake kit immediately. And I was also just worried because, you know, what would happen if <laughs> the infrastructure of the actual building started to collapse? Like, there's not really much you can do being on a high-rise apartment building, you know, in an earthquake that giant. So we're lucky that we live in, in an area that things are built well, but... I mean, I don't know if these reports are true, but I've read reports saying if this happened like in downtown L.A., if the epicenter was there, it would have right. killed like thousands of people because the buildings there, there's a lot of I don't know if they have the same earthquake codes that they have like in the San Francisco. So Yikes. there might be a lot. I mean, there probably aren't very many like brick buildings, but San Francisco is like almost pretty much destroyed in the 08 quake. Almost all the buildings and structures in San Francisco are like post that earthquake. Uh, how big was that earthquake? I don't know the the um like, like the Richter scale amount. Yeah, but I mean yeah. It but another crazy thing that I saw was uh, a story someone tweeted from L.A. Times. So these earthquakes, they happen around this this military base called China Lake. It's an experimental uh, weapons base that that deals with a lot of toxic chemicals. But it turns out that. In a survey uh, that was conducted over like a period of 10 years, the most contaminated groundwater in the United States is all around all of the main like military bases around the United States, mostly Air right. Force bases, because 
not just because they do burn pits and all this shit. I mean, that's probably really fucking up the air quality in the area. Who knows how much? Because the EPA is not allowed to seriously monitor or control any of these places. But they're leaking tons of chemicals into the groundwater. And apparently most of this toxic chemical comes from putting out fires on airplane runways. It's a flame-retarded foam that the rainwater just washes it into the ground, and it's extremely toxic. And one of the most toxic groundwater deposits in the entire United States is right underneath China Lake. So the fact that there's these major earthquakes happening among a fault line around there, it's kind of nutty because there's, there's a lot of populated areas not too far away from that. So that groundwater is going to continue to seep into the surrounding area. So, and it's not just this area, it's just all areas in the United States with military bases. Oh yeah, like all the super fun sites are all pretty much like military posts or just like dump sites from... Or can you imagine, stuff. like, why why haven't they developed or like, put a bunch of houses and shit on, like, Alameda's naval base? That's a giant right. amount of land. I mean, what happened there? There's probably, like, a ton of contamination that it would just be too expensive to clean up. And actually, they in this same article that I was talking about, they determine how much it would cost to clean up some of these areas. And that that's pretty much why they can't do it. It just would be way too expensive. In the billions of right. dollars per area. Which is not surprising. So, yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that's great to know. And it's great to know that at the epicenter, we're any closer. What is it like? I think it was like 150 miles away from us. But if it were any closer to a populated area, it would be extraordinarily devastating. Yeah, I mean. Very, very deadly. Especially if it was right underneath, I mean, any, any major city with tall buildings. I mean, the Yikes. older the city is, the less earthquake code, you know, the buildings are built up to than... That shit will, yeah. will seriously collapse. Come to earthquake. think of it, I mean, there is a lot of old shit in downtown LA. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have like refurbished all these old theaters and all the old apartment because this used to be like old Hollywood before Hollywood moved. Yeah. Or what about the Hollywood like Hills? Vegas. A lot oh, of that God. stuff's probably not seismically sound. Right. Right. Well, speaking of not seismically sound, let's <laughs> let's talk about the super volcano in Yellowstone. Yeah, and, and not to be alarmist about any of this this stuff, but um I've been I've been kind of obsessed uh, on and off throughout my life about the super volcano. I think it is one of the world's largest or the world's largest known active semi-active volcano because it has erupted, I believe three times before. Yeah, three known times before. And scientists think that it has an average of about 725,000 years in between eruptions. So it erupted 2.08 million years ago, 1.3 million years ago, and about 600,000 years ago. The, the only reason I'm bringing this up right now, the supervolcano, which is known as Yellowstone Park, the steamboat geyser, which is actually the highest geyser in the world as well, um, is approaching a record number of eruptions, uh, says CNN. And this is reported in a bunch of different media outlets as well. In the CNN article, it says, we're just over halfway through 2019, and the Steamboat Geyser has already erupted 25 times, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. That puts it on track to surpass last year's record of 32 eruptions, the largest number ever recorded in a year. The record before that was 29 eruptions in 1964. It's pretty wild, and there's um, there's video footage of it. Even now, when it's erupting this often, it's still really rare to catch it. 
it is a uh, it is pretty bizarre that we have this crazy uh, semi-active volcano just sort of in the middle of the United States. And if it explodes, it's pretty much the end of the United States as we know it. And it will also probably destroy most of the world's food supply for several years, if not decades. But it, it just, I don't know, it kind of makes me wonder if like America was just sort of destined to, this was its destiny. Yeah, this is the way the U.S. empire is going to go down. Yeah, if it's not by like blowing each other up in a nuclear exchange, um, it'll just be from this, you know? I mean, I mean because... It's not just um, that this might erupt, it's that it will erupt again. But we still have apparently about 100,000 years to go before the next eruption. So scientists actually are saying that this isn't the geyser erupting this much. Um, this, this really rare frequent eruption of this geyser is not an indication that the volcano is about to blow. They think it's from snowfall, like melted snow going into the groundwater and creating more steam power, like from the the underneath part, heating it up more, just more total water. But it's also kind of creepy as well. So wasn't there wasn't there other stuff going on, though, that um, that signified that there was other seismic activity that was escalating? Yes, there were there was a record number of quake swarms. Um, which were like earth simultaneous earthquakes happening all around the park area for a few years. And I think this I think this is still happening a little bit. It died down, but there were a lot of earthquakes happening. And there yeah, there was something else. There was also I can't remember exactly, but there was like a widening of some crater. And that's how they measure sometimes like the how much magma is getting built up underneath. I was just going to say, this is such an amazing case of willful blindness. It's like people just put it aside because they're like, well, it's going to happen in the next 100,000 years. It's like, don't expect people to deal with this if they can't even accept the fact that climate change is already yeah. happening. I, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of a weird thing to think about. But I don't think there's any other countries in the world, um, especially superpowers like the United States, that are sitting on an inevitable natural disaster like this that's going to wipe out a, a large uh, part of their population. Well, they sort can kill two birds about. with one stone. You can just fix climate change because <laughs> the, the volcanic eruption will cover the entire world's atmosphere and like dramatically cool the entire world by several degrees. Because oh, you that's think that'll help fix sh- climate change, you mean? Well, I mean, it definitely will <laughs> not only destroy the food supply and you know cause die-offs of millions of yeah. creatures and and humans but yeah no it definitely would cool the earth's atmosphere that's for sure that's like what did stabilize the climate in the past is just like massive volcanic eruptions yeah i mean speaking of um volcanic eruptions and <laughs> the worst segue ever the sacrificing to the inferno so right now as we record this podcast they are having the bohemian grove camp out up in monterio california abby you and you and i have both been there Last time we were both there was when Cindy Sheehan was heading a protest up to the gates of Bohemian Grove. I had tried to sneak in there before during an off season. I got, I managed to get into the parking lot with the um, cremation of care golf carts. It was pretty fun, but I got too scared, so I had to turn back. And and we actually we grew up not too far away from where the campout takes place. It's maybe like an hour and a half drive mm-hmm. from the town we grew up in. But yeah, apparently. Mike Pence uh, flew to a mysterious location in Northern California around the same time that the campout started. So he's possibly attending. But it's still interesting to think about how the Trump 
people plug into these sort of like elite campouts or or just meetings? How much Trump loyalty is there like among these like elites and oligarchs and rich people who go to these types of events? It's sort of like an unknown, actually. Do you remember when Colin Powell's emails were hacked and there was a bunch of emails about Bohemian Grove in it from about three years ago? No. So this is interesting. So about three years ago, three or four years ago, Colin Powell's emails got hacked by somebody and he's talking about his experiences at Bohemian Grove, which I guess he attends every year. And he's talking about the Grove event during the summer right before the 2016 election. So he's like, He's emailing some guy named Peter, and he says, Peter, I'm back from the Bohemian Grove. Surprise, surprise. I sat next to Stephen Harper a couple of times and had a nice discussion. Grove attendees know that Trump is a disaster. Most will vote against, but quite a few will not vote for Hillary and will vote for a third-party candidate. Strange doings down here. Otherwise, all is well with the pals. (laughs) So crazy. So... That was from the summer before the 2016 election when, like, the Republicans were still trying to do, like, a contested convention against Trump. And since we know Bohemian Grove is mostly attended by sort of, like, right-leaning elites, it would be very curious to know, like, what's going on now. I mean, now that Trump is in power, are they, you know, are they just resigned to it? Are they still trying to figure out a way to get him out of office? Like, what the fuck's actually going on at these events? Things are much different now that they know yeah. how he'll play the game. Yeah, so I wonder Very if um, uh, I wonder if Mike Pence is doing like a lakeside chat. I mean, that's when we know the actual like policies type stuff is actually previewed at right. Bohemian Grove. Um, and this is right. not like conspiracy theory. There's actual photographs from Bohemian Grove that have leaked out by employees that work there showing a plaque. Uh, saying this is the room where the Manhattan Project was planned. And it's like a special, looks like a little Ewok hut or something with like hay and like like a grass hut. It's this weird little building on stilts, um, like on a cut off, like cut off halfway redwood trees in Bohemian Grove with like a giant ladder going to it. It's very strange. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why this is so secretive. There's a reason why so many global players come here. And there's a reason why it's completely off the record. It's obviously just the world's most powerful people who are all men mm-hmm. discussing policy off the record. It's way more secretive than even like Bilderberg is at this point. I mean, we it's almost yeah. like a completely like Iron Curtain effect on Bohemian Grove. They don't even let you protest anymore at the gate of the compound. You the, the driveway is now basically like a private drive. The cops don't even let you go up the road to it. So, yeah, and I think there's just so many trees covering it that even if you like took a little helicopter ride or, you know, flew a drone overhead, you probably wouldn't be able to see anything. I mean, it's such a wooded area uh, that it's, yeah. And we already know, like, we get a list every year, leaks usually saying who's at Bilderberg. We don't Mm -hmm. get anything like this from Bohemian Grove. I mean, the program leaks every year. The program is just like the sketches they do. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Well, and we know how important it is for the attendees and we know how significant Bohemian Grove is. Um, because let's just take Henry Kissinger alone. I spoke to a videographer who filmed in Kissinger and Associates and went into Henry Kissinger's office. And what was on the wall of his office? The cremation of care poster framed. It's great. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah, this is, I mean, and they get off on make, they get off on the fact that people like Alex Jones think they're like Satan worshipers and stuff. Yeah, right. And, and they're actually sacrificing children. I mean, they like that. 
I mean, for all we know, they they let him actually sneak into Bohemian Grove right. and leak out that video for kicks. Yep. But yeah, I mean, speaking of um, Bohemian Grove, um, I just recently remembered that when I was at Alexander Shulgin's funeral in Berkeley, psychedelic scientist, the Owl Club Orchestra played music at his funeral, and the Owl Club Orchestra is the Bohemian Grove Orchestra. Because Alexander Shulgin went in the past, correct? He was actually part of the orchestra. He played viola in the orchestra. Yeah, so I guess they were paying tribute to their old band member. But yeah, I mean, we talked about, um, you know, sort of the Bay Area's uh, loosening up on psychedelics even more uh, than they were in the past. They're being decriminalized in Oakland now by the city council. A lot of psychedelic plants are. Just in other psychedelic news, it was recently a new study has sort of followed up on some of the old studies about the psychedelic uh, compound DMT, dimethyltryptamine, being found inside the human brain and inside um, other mammals' brains. Um, But the studies, of course, weren't done on human brains. Um, They were done on rodent brains. And from this article on newatlas.com, just going to read you a short section here, says a compelling new study has revealed how a mammalian brain can produce an incredibly powerful hallucinogen called DMT. And this is what the actual study specifically found. The research shows the psychedelic and, in, how do I pronounce that? Endogenously produced in a number of brain regions, including the visual cortex, and spikes in concentrations following an induced cardiac arrest. So that sort of links up with some of the theories that DMT is released, like when you die. I mean, if it, mm-hmm. if it spikes in your brain... When you have a cardiac arrest, that's that's pretty interesting. And the fact that it has some kind of, um, it's found in the visual cortex is actually interesting too because previously um, it was only known to, I guess, exist in the pineal gland, which was all always kind of a mystery to people. Like, why would it be there? It doesn't really have any linkage to dreaming or visual, you know, like things that would be related to like a hallucinogenic experience. Um, but this shows that it kind of does. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. And just going into the world, weird psychedelic world where, you know, we're going towards with technology every day on a daily basis. It seems like it's getting weirder and weirder every single day. I showed you this uh, deep fake video recently, Abby, of uh, of Jim Carrey um, replacing Jack Nicholson's face in The Shining. What did you think of it? I mean, it looked perfect. It was pretty, pretty creepy. Um, all of the mannerisms, I mean, Jack Nicholson is so expressive in particular, um, you know, where she finds him writing all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Um, yeah. And it's just a really, really crazy scene as anyone who remembers The Shining, like there's no one that can replace Jack Nicholson, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, like I, you literally could watch that and be like, oh, if you had no idea what The Shining was, you'd be like, oh, crazy. Jim Carrey was in this movie. I mean, it looks perfect. It's the best. I mean, I've been hearing about and trying to check out these deep fakes for a while, but it is definitely the best deep fake I have seen by far. And what's so impressive about it is I don't even understand how it gets like all the lighting matched. Right. You can't even like, if you try to do this with like CGI, it wouldn't even look this good. That's what I'm so confused about. How is it? Why is it so good when you can't even CGI like Superman's mouth? Correctly. Because it's machine learning. And you know, it's funny, speak of, speaking of Superman's mouth, someone actually did a deep fake comparison. 
getting his mustache out using deep fake machine learning of a bunch of uh, photographs of his lower half of his face, and it looked better than the oh. fucking deep or the CGI fucking my mustache God. removal. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean it, it's an, it's actually really interesting how machine learning can just take two D imagery and actually make it looks better than CGI using this technique. Just some other examples of deep fake stuff people should check out. There's a Steve Buscemi, Jennifer Lawrence deep fake that is insanely creepy. Um, it's Steve Buscemi's face superimposed on Jennifer Lawrence, like accepting some award or, or at a press conference or something after an award show. Very very creepy. The Jack Nicholson Jim Carrey deep fake um, is made by a YouTube user named Control Shift Face. He's done like three of them now. Um, he's done other deep fakes on his channel, so check those out. And there's also this um, channel I've been watching recently called Corridor Crew that has a particularly good deep fake of a Tom Cruise impersonator interacting with them, like the people from this YouTube channel. And they did a deep fake replacement of his face with Tom Cruise's actual face. And Whoa. it's pretty impressive because they actually like take you step by step through exactly how they did it. And since they did it with really high lighting, like bright lighting and with really high resolution, you could kind of see how it doesn't look quite convincing. But mm. um, the fact that they show you how it was done is pretty interesting. So I didn't really understand how the technology worked until I watched their videos. Well, yeah, I guess I don't really understand. I, I didn't realize that it was just machines scouring the available imagery and trying to match it real time. Is that? It's the same thing as those, like, have you seen the other guy who made paintings be able to like animate? Yeah, right. Um, it's the same technology. It, it's, I don't know. I frankly don't understand it, but it was based originally on that same Google deep dream algorithm that is able to identify like patterns in imagery, you know, make things look psychedelic and shit. But what's crazy about it is it takes forever for the machine learning to take place. Like you have to load in hundreds of pictures and the computer has to analyze them and it takes a really, really long time. You just have to like sit and wait while it does it. So I, but beyond that, to be honest, I don't really understand it at all. It's really, really bizarre. Um, but I mean, I think once it actually becomes perfect looking, I mean, what are the implications for the future of this? If you don't even have to like learn computer graphics to do this kind of stuff now, and you could just do it with 2D imagery. I mean, it could be used to ruin somebody's life once it's actually completely convincing. It's pretty disturbing. And since it's only a face right now and not a whole head replacement, it's, it's not going to look perfect because everybody has different head sizes. You know, trying to put an actor's face on a different person's head size sort of ruins the illusion. But it's still pretty goddamn close. I mean, Jack Nicholson's head is a different shape than Jim Carrey's, but it still literally looks like Jim Carrey is doing that iconic shining performance. It's fucking disturbing. Yeah. I mean, I already, I, I sound like such an old lady, but I already was so just worried about like future generations with just cell phones and social mm -hmm. media. And now this is a whole other element of, uh, yeah. I mean, a tidal wave of lies and disinfo that yeah. will ruin countless lives i mean i i actually have no idea what's going to happen but it's pretty scary to think about because it's inevitable yeah it makes ready player one like seem like quaint i mean like that's mm -hmm. like a very tame version of what people would actually do with this technology like if they could pretend to be any avatar the technology in ready player one is like leaps ahead of what it would require to just make a video 
that would make it look like Trump is like molesting a child with some kind of deep right. fake face right. replacement. I mean, you could yeah, do I that found, probably I found in like a year tape. from now. Found the piss exactly. tape. Exactly. <laughs> like, a year from now, you'll be able to make an absolutely perfect piss tape. Right. With probably not very much skill. I mean, and then what? It's like, then you'd just be on the defense, like the concrete milkshake thing. Once 4chaners are able to do like deep fakes and pump them out to like ride the wave of a virus, like a news story as it's happening, they're going to fucking, it's going to be bad. I mean, and it's not just 4chan. I mean, what am I talking about? I mean, anybody. Yeah. Like what about corporations, mainstream media? Yeah. More scary is the corporations and the government. Yeah. I mean, there's so much terrible shit you could do with it. Do, should we even get into the Epstein stuff at all? Should I just, we should just mention? Yeah, you can mention it just because we are planning on doing a broader, I know that this is, this story is obviously everywhere and we've been saying for months that we've been wanting to do a podcast on Epstein because we feel like there's other elements to it that are, that's not being covered. Um, but because it's, we're so inundated with the Epstein stuff, why don't we just wait but yeah, you can talk about the charges and what happened. I mean, it was pretty. Yeah. Cr- I was I was pretty shocked. Were you shocked when you yeah I was shocked on the news and saw Epstein was arrested? Yeah, I was shocked. But when you read the actual charges, um, it doesn't. I mean, it sounds like they're not. I mean, from what we already know about what he did and what everybody suspects he did, it really doesn't seem like the charges are that huge. But the charges were brought by the Southern District of New York uh, District Attorney's Office on the eighth. Just a few days ago now, by the time we're recording this, the actual criminal filing um, was made public. You can go look at it at justice.gov if you want right now. I'll just read to you very quickly that what the actual charges are. It says Jeffrey Epstein, 66, is charged with one count of sex trafficking of minors, which carries a maximum sentence of 40 years in prison, and one count of conspiracy to engage in trafficking of minors, which carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison. Well, actually, I mean... Since I guess it doesn't say how many people, uh, you know, that could be actually really heavy charges. So I'm not a legal expert. So maybe I was actually downplaying that unnecessarily um, because that seems pretty open ended. Well, plus there's been several victims that have come forward since he got arrested because I think that they're like, oh, wow. Now that there's a chance for him to actually get, um, you know, charged and and put away. Now they want to add their testimony like that woman that we just saw come out with that horrifying testimony of how he pinned her down and raped her when she was 14. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's going to get out on bail. If he does, that's that'll already set a bad precedent and sort of show you the direction this is going in. They, uh, so far, um, they've seized his $70 million Palm Beach mansion. Interestingly, the media is now finally making a stink about uh, Trump's uh, Secretary of Labor, um, Jim Acosta, <laughs> um, for basically being part of the plea deal originally that gave Epstein a slap on the wrist for his previous charges. Um, and he actually just stepped down this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, he Him just... And his creepy, shining daughters? Yeah. Did yeah, you see he, those girls? I did, yeah. yeah. So, but what's interesting about him, and then we're going to get into this on the next episode about Epstein for sure, but I'll just leave you with this interesting tidbit, is it got leaked, and I think this actually came out from a Vanity Fair reporter... So it's it has legs. It's a credible leak that apparently Acosta told someone uh, when the Trump administration vetted him that they asked him about the Epstein plea deal. And one of the things he told the Trump vetting team was that he was asked to back off of Epstein because he was told he was intelligence, which is just such a nutty thing that kind of like 
really validates a lot of like some of the more far out seeming conspiracies about what people thought Epstein's whole deal was possibly. It's, it's strange to say the least. So but Robbie Trump, <laughs> Trump kicked him out of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Trump kicked him out of Mar-a-Lago after it was found out he apparently raped or attempted to rape a 14 year old girl and didn't call the police. That's pretty weird, dude. If I knew someone had tried to rape a 14 year old girl in my hotel, I would call the cops. I wouldn't just kick them out. I would call the cops. Otherwise, well, I'd so be worried that it might make me look like I might have been complicit in covering up the attempted rape of a 14-year-old girl. Hmm. I love how all these Trump stands like, do not care that Trump said that he was good friends with Epstein, that he liked little girls on the young side, that he also no. flew on Lita Express. No one cares about that. They just keep saying Trump kicked him out of Mar-a-Lago and Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton. It's like, can't both be true? No, I mean, this is every, everything just becomes partisan. I mean, the mainstream media is barely talking about Clinton, you know, right. having to do of with course. Epstein. Um, Clinton released a very bizarre denial mm. statement. I don't know if you read that. Um, it seemed like guilty as fuck. The whole thing is just, it's really revealing a lot of just the partisan infighting. I, for some reason, the one I'm most excited about going down is Alan Dershowitz, for some reason. I know I should be really excited about the sitting president and a former president going down over this, but I don't think we should get our hopes up. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I, I don't think we should be too optimistic right. about what this is going to reveal. Q supporters think the storm is here. <laughs> this is you know, what's happening. The arrest of R. Kelly today uh, has really even reinforced their vigor. Uh, regarding Q, they think that the storm is really happening now. Um, so they're just waiting any day now for Hillary to be in an orange jumpsuit again. So cool. Well, unfortunately, that's, that's not going to happen until Trump's second term, right? So yeah, they all got to wait a little bit longer. Trump's not going to make the arrests yet. Yeah, he's not going to make the arrests yet. We got to be patient. We got to be patient. You have to be patient, Robbie. It's not. It's not going to come all at once. Don't you understand how this works? I mean, I love that the Q thing is still going. Well, the mainstream media finally touched Q again, but just sort of mocked how a more ridiculous strain of Q supporters recently for Trump's 4th of July military parade, which uh, you watched a part of that, right, Abby? Did you? I mean, I did, saw him in a box. I saw, saw Trump him in, in the a glass, glass box. box. Like from Twin Peaks season three. Yeah, it was very weird. And then I realized, I guess you told me that this wasn't the first time that presidents had been in a glass box. But for some reason, it seems like Trump is in a glass box way more than other presidents. Well, here's the thing. I think <laughs> I, I'll just say, I think, yes, it's not just that he's in a glass box more than other presidents. I think it's also <laughs> because his show is not r run right. Like the whole effort around presenting his presidency is just still rolled out in this sort of like sloppy, unsettling manner. You would assume the scary part of a 4th of July military parade like slash air show that Trump is doing, you know, which no president has ever done something like this before. On 4th of July, the most disturbing part would be like all the redneck MAGA hat people like screaming and cheering for him and just like all, you know, seeing those people. Um, but to me, I actually didn't see very many people at all. It was like very empty. Um, they didn't actually let the general public get very close at all to the proceedings. They blocked pretty much the general public off with a, a chain link fence and only VIPs and ticket holders and like pre-selected people were allowed to actually sit and watch the speech. And so even Fox News, the network that's supposed to, you know, be the one that's going to present him in the most favorable light, the camera angle they had was like, it seemed like so far away that it 
it was like shaking a lot. Like it was like zoomed in a lot to get a good angle of him while he was doing the speech. And, and I think that usually when you film through those like glass bulletproof things or shields or whatever they are, you're supposed to film it closer up. And especially if it rains and gets wet, like all you saw was just like it's soaking wet with all these raindrops going down it. Like he was in this soaking wet glass box during the whole speech while he was just like mangling, absolutely mangling his speech. Does he Couldn't walk read into the glass box or does he like get raised up from the stage? I'm I think it's just a half rectangle. This. It's a half yeah. glass rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, everybody on stage was behind the same glass. It was a really weird sight. I mean, soaking wet raindrops all covering him in the glass box and, and a there chain was, link fence inside the water fence. and i was really confused because he was boasting about how he was going to hold this giant military parade like france how he wanted to show tanks on the streets and all this shit and then he canceled it so i feel like this was his attempt to do that without really planning for it oh absolutely correctly. i mean he does and he's done this before like I feel like he's gotten it into his head again that he needs to do these like little special things that are really him, that these like events he plans. Like, so the social media summit that we're going to talk about was a similar thing where it was like really half-assed and it didn't seem like really planned out that well. And so was this weird quasi parade. I mean, it wasn't a parade. It was more like an air show. I mean, the only thing that seemed organized during any of this event at all that seemed like it was well planned out was there were certain parts in his in between his mangled teleprompter reading where he would pause while he was describing some kind of um, different battle, even uh, proudly describing battles in Iraq and Afghanistan. And at the end of each little tale, he would pause and wait for a like an air show style flyover of different genres of like military fighter jets and helicopters. And at one point, I almost thought the psychotic dumb asshole was going to pause and three drones were going to fly over his head. Like, that's how weird it was. I really actually thought that was going to happen. I mean, like, I, I'm not even joking. I'm not saying this is a joke. I actually thought that that was going to happen during his speech. It was actually pretty funny that it almost got completely rained out and there was actually, like, thunder and lightning happening right before an ominous tone. We never even talked about the man who lit himself on fire, who self-immolated oh my God. on the White House lawn. Yeah, it's amazing that we're living in an era that this just goes completely under the radar where people literally forgot about it like after it happened. I, I don't know his nationality. He definitely was had brown skin. I don't know if he was Indian. His name was Arnav Gupta, 33 years old, lived in Bethesda, Maryland, and he was wearing a shirt that said USA. And he's self-immolated running across the White House lawn. And that was just like a blip on the radar. Did he die from his yeah, wounds? he died the next day. Very sad. Yeah, and what's also disturbing, I mean, the, the video that exists of that, like there's like a weird millennial kid filming it with his iPhone who gets in like an argument with a park police while the guy's on fire. And he's like, Jesus. no, dude, it's cool, dude. Like, I'm just filming, dude. No, no, I'm being out of here, dude. Oh, my God. Like, it's just, it just, I don't know, man. Like, reality is just getting wow. really strange. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, this this military uh, event that Trump did, I think, like, CNN boycotted it. MSNBC might have boycotted it. Um, Fox News played the whole thing. But even they didn't really seem that excited about it. Like, they, it was weird. It just seemed like it was a, a total dud. I, don't, I just don't know why Trump can't get his shit together. Well, I'm surprised it wasn't more embellished 
I'm surprised Fox News wasn't all over this. Me too. I'm surprised I didn't hear more about it. Even people no. like mocking it. No, I didn't, no, no. I didn't even know it was happening until you told me. And I was like, what the hell? The the media, like some of the mainstream media networks like boycotted. They were replaying the uh, replays of the Democratic debates. Wow. The MSNBC I, was. I kept looking up Trump glass box and I could barely even find like any photos of it. It's like no one's like making fun of how weird this is right now and just commenting on how surreal this moment is. Well, the, that's the thing with Trump is I feel like you can't you can't rely on the media to tell you what's going on with him. You have to like watch this stuff for yourself. Like right, the right. George Stephanopoulos interview he did, all the only headline that came out about that was that he said he wouldn't he wouldn't refuse taking information from like a foreign government if it was useful or something. And that was like some oh, that's so controversial. You know, that means he's a Manchurian candidate. But he said so many other crazy things during the interview <laughs> right. that you have to right. you have to like watch it in full. He was like really upset multiple times during the interview for George Stephanopoulos saying that Biden was polling slightly higher than him than in matchup polls. He wouldn't let it go. Trump was like very, very upset. And that was just an interesting insight to watch how the things that he gets the most upset about are things like and, that. And that's what's funny, too, going back and scouring all of his speeches and putting together these montages about how actually insane he is militaristically um like we did with trump expanding the empire i mean it was stunning to see some of these clips oh yeah the george stephanopoulos i mean no one picks up on them the old george stephanopoulos oh yeah where he said he said like medieval times we have to chop off heads and he says we need to be like isis we need to chop off heads yeah and there's there's one clip where he's just like He's like giving a speech and he's just like, you know, people ask me, what do you think about waterboarding? He's like, I love it. He said, they asked me, what do you think about waterboarding, Mr. Trump? He said, I love it. He's doing one of these phoners with Fox News and he's just like, you have to take out their families. And she's like, Mr. Trump? He's like, you have to mm -hmm. take out their families. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, like it's just crazy that they don't pick up. That should be like a headline for like five weeks. I love waterboarding. Yeah, you know and I, I don't mean? even think Trump is smart enough to be just saying this because he's like a bloodthirsty piece of shit. I feel like that stuff, like these weird neocon think tankers like Frank Gaffney and like Michael Ledeen have like told him. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> like suggested to him. Not that he loves waterboarding. I mean, maybe he came up with that one on his own. But <laughs> killing terrorists and their families just seems like something that that one of those people would have told him. Why don't you like bring this one back? Like we tried this one during the Bush era, it didn't work. You may, you could bring it back. Like try this one again. So nuts. It's just so nuts that the whole torture thing during Bush was like so controversial and oh, is this really what we represent as a nation? And then you have a president now who's just saying he loves waterboarding. Yeah. He loves it. Um, and you have a presidential candidate now who's self-identified anti-war who believed in a ticking time bomb scenario back in 2014. Scoops. Oh my God. I got in so much shit. I, yeah, we'll talk about this Israel stuff later, but it's so funny how the truth just has an inherent bias against Tulsi on, yeah. on, on several issues and people just can't wrap their minds around it. I mean, it's kind of similar to the Trump phenomenon. It's like you want to believe something is true, but in fact, it is not. The Trump phenomenon and all of the shit just flies under the radar because everything's happening at such a rapid pace. First of all, the, the military parade or whatever the hell that was that did not get really any attention whatsoever and i thought that that was really bizarre i didn't see his speech from it but i mean was there anything noteworthy that you took away that was just like really creepy and dystopian from his speech other than of course just him mangling the, it so badly yeah. i mean that was i think the most dystopian creepy part was i did not expect what we're talking about now is the lack of coverage of it 
the mm-hmm. weird unprofessionality of the whole presentation, how Fox News seemed really lukewarm about it, just how the speech was just so mangled and so unpracticed and just like he just wasn't he couldn't just he just can't read a teleprompter at all. I mean, he he has no it's like he hasn't even practiced to try to get but better. Robbie at was it. the rain. And then those tanks that everyone, you know, you know, and it is a crazy thing that he wanted to bring tanks to D.C. But like everyone was talking about it so much. Like I thought there was going to be like tanks all over the place. There were these two tanks that he put up front that you could barely see. Like even that seemed half fast. Like the whole thing was just really weird. And I hate how the discourse now is like, okay, this is like authoritarianism. And then people being like, um, actually, we've had authoritarianism this whole time. Yeah. Trump is just unveiling the mask. And it's like, I'm guilty of that too but it's like such a weird black and white narrative where you either have people saying okay trump's bringing this and then you have people being like we've always had this trump is nothing new and yeah america's always been shit you know a country founded on like genocide and enslavement of an entire race but (laughs) like this is quite surreal and disturbing you know i just think it's so it just seems so reactionary to do that yeah right it's more important for those people to criticize the MSM's disingenuous mm. outrage about things than it is to just like talk honestly about like what's going on. It's, I, I don't get it. It's, it's just, it just feels like they're playing into that information war paradigm in a, in a way, and I, and I just don't really care for it, but whatever. I mean, speaking of the information war and kind of just the surreal unprofessionalism of the Trump administration in general is this social media summit. So, you know, the world's burning. There's all these fires being started from Iran to Venezuela. Amidst all of these things, active regime change efforts, the kids in camps at the border, like seven kids dying you know, at, at this point. Amidst all of this, Trump, if you just like look at his Twitter randomly, it's just him constantly quoting Fox and Friends, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson, and just tweeting at them, tweeting their news back at them. Um, And so this social media summit was a who's who of the most batshit crazy social media commentators who are all conservative clickbait grifters who just worship Donald Trump. As we know, Trump has painted, you know, everything is fake news that doesn't like worship him. As we know, all the people that he thinks are not fake news are fake news as well. These narratives also like erase the people who are out, who are doing real reporting and who are also actually victimized by this social media shift that we're seeing in the censorship right now. But yeah, I mean, it's just astounding to see Trump bring together a who's who of the craziest conspiracists, right? Um, just clickbait meme generators like 4chan trolls. I, I guess, I mean, I don't even know, dude. It's so insane. So, like, he isn't inviting, like, just only, like, you know, 4chan, like, alt-right trolls. Because then you would see, like, why wasn't Cernovich in here? Why wasn't, um, like, Jack Posobiec there? It is a weird cross-section of, like, it seems like most of the people, or a good portion of them, are, like, these right-wing, billionaire-funded, fake indie journalist people, like, conservative journalists. So you have like James O'Keefe, like the Prager University guy, Bill Mitchell. These are not like young. These are not like people who appeal to like young people for the most part. They're like more like boomer, like uh, right wing people. And then that for some reason, the Heritage Foundation was there. So you mean people who still have some sort of like faux establishment? Yeah. Or like professionalism but, behind them? Yeah. But are like. So there is some sort of crossover and bleed with that like Crowder, mm-hmm. alt-right, troll thing too. 
And then, like, for example, like Representative Matt Getz, a Republican guy who has, like, dropped Q things, like, on Twitter and appeared on InfoWars was there, was invited there. Well, Bill Mitchell promotes the QAnon Yes, he does. I mean, so a lot of these, so it is interesting, and I, you know, and I don't think it's at all out of the realm of possibility at this point. I think it's actually very plausible that Trump knows exactly what is happening with, not with everything happening with Q, but if he's involved in it or not, he's egging it on. I mean, he's inviting people to the White House with special VIP passes, photographing himself with them, and also claiming in his speech, Abby, that he personally met with each one of these people at one point. He says that in his speech, which might be a lie. I mean, Trump lies all the time, but that's, that's assuming, okay, well, if that's true, then that means you met with Mark Dice in the Oval Office. Like, what the fuck? And I was even talking to Jason Burmis today about, like, he didn't even invite any, like, right-wing, like, intellectual people. Like, people from the intellectual dark web, even. Right, right, Like, if you want to be, like, if you want to try to, like, do, like, almost like a big tent approach or actually, like, try to create some kind of vision here with this social media summit. Let's say if he's thought this out and actually got consultants. They would have invited people like Brett Weinstein, Sam Harris, maybe even. Or even like Lee Stranahan, people who actually like are journalists to some capacity. They're not just like these provocateur right wing boosted, you know, billionaire boosted, like weird cutout people. He invited Trump invited Ben Garrison, the cartoonist. And then for that some reason, draws them with hardcore abs. Yeah, that always draws him with hardcore abs, like bursting through his clothes. I mean, Jesus Christ. It looks like that, um, it looks like that homoerotic, like, uh, bear art, uh, like pencil right. drawing shit. No, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, Jim Hoft from Gateway Pundit was invited there. Um, oh, I'm not surprised about that at all. It's just so strange. And other strange things that happen, and this will probably just make, you know, Trump, build Trump's case up even more. And we'll talk about what his quote unquote case was, why he did this, which is, even weirder than what I would have thought he would have brought these people in for. But Twitter actually cut out for an hour uh, right when this was happening. This social media summit was happening. It's actually the longest I'd ever seen Twitter go down uh, since I've been on it, since like 2014. Mm -hmm. So that was actually quite strange. And then apparently the stream, because I guess no actual press was recording in there or something. I don't know the full story, but apparently the stream of the press conference after the social media summit dropped out. So it had streamed the whole speech and then the press conference dropped out. So apparently Sebastian Gorka had asked a question during this press conference. He had complimented all, a lot of people individually. I think he even mentioned Tim Pool by name. I, I, are you kidding I, me? Well, I don't, I can't verify. The, these are things that I heard. We haven't even like really introduced who was there. Do you want to go through and actually talk about who who was? Well, I don't know most who most of these people are. I mean, who are the craziest people to you? First of all, okay. So one of the craziest people is Ali Akbar, and this is when you were saying it's interesting that like Cernovich wasn't invited. I mean, he might as well have been because this guy produces videos with Mike Cernovich. Um, Okay. He is a right wing provocateur who is extremely Islamophobic. I think this is the guy who said Kamala Harris is not a black American, and I mean Mark Dice by far, I think is the craziest one. When I saw him, I almost like spit up my coffee, to be honest, because I could not believe that that motherfucker was in the Oval Office and in the fucking Rose Garden. This is a guy who all he does is makes videos about like Democrats being pedophilic demons 
who have blood sacrifice rituals and stuff. I mean, whether it be Rihanna, Miley Cyrus, all of them are in the Illuminati. All of them like eat children and, and are whores and sluts. He's the most misogynist, psychotic Christian dude. I've, I mean, it's just nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And this is just totally out of left field, but do you remember when uh, Glenn Greenwald retweeted him? And then everybody was like, yeah. what the fuck, dude? This is like a yeah. year ago. And everybody's like, dude, do you know who he is? And he's like, what? What he said was like totally true. He's like, doesn't matter who he is. Like, yeah, it does, dude. He's like, fucking, this guy is like the worst person. It's almost like worse than, re- I'd rather retweet David Icke than Mark Dice. Of course. Like the guy oh who God, talks about reptilian rep- reptiles. Way more intelligent than Mark Dice. So I don't even understand. I mean, I guess Mark Dice has a big Twitter following or big YouTube following, but... I mean, I'm just looking at Mark Dice's Twitter feed right now, and he's posting a photo of himself asking Trump a question. Wow. He said, I spoke to the president yesterday at the White House about the issues we're facing with YouTube's censorship of conservatives and massive liberal bias. Wow. I was honored to be invited as a part wow. of the social media wow. summit. Can we wow. just get this out of the way? I, Which one of these people are actually censored? This is can the we, most. Can we actually address that? Okay, yeah, because every single one of these people have benefited immensely from the social media boosting that they have received. That is first and foremost. So for them to turn around and say that they are the ones who are under threat. And making it all about conservatives is such a lie. And they know it's a lie. Like someone like Mark Dice is actually intelligent enough, I believe, to know that he is being willfully, like not even obtuse, he's lying. I mean, he knows that Silicon Valley is a threat to like things that are going to go against the status quo, left or right. It doesn't matter what area of the political spectrum they fall on. Tim Pool knows better. But he, again, lifts up the same narrative. Mark Dice has 473,000 followers. How is he being censored on Twitter? How has he gotten that many followers? I mean, if anything, these are like a lot of these people are just bots and shit. I mean, that's, that's astounding that he has that number on Twitter. And then on YouTube, I'm sure he's, I'm going to actually look it up. I mean, again, how are these people being censored? If anything, the algorithms have helped them enormously. It's stunning. It's stunning they can even claim this. Well, this is funny, too, because Mark Dice made his original like little viral career online by getting involved in the 9-11 truth movement. And it's just so strange. I mean, not only is it strange that he's sitting in a room with other neocons who are peripheral to the peanut project for the new American century. Also invited to the summit was Uncle Jimbo. Uncle Jimbo um, was a former employee and friend of PNAC neocon Islamophobe Frank Gaffney. Um, Sebastian Gorka, um, whose wife just got appointed into inside a cabinet position, uh, is from the Foundation for Defense of Democracy. He was invited there, too. So how weird is it that Mark Dice, the guy who made his original career off of doing 9-11 Truth, basically saying the Bush administration and Dick Cheney were involved in you know, 9-11, he's sitting in a room clapping for Trump bringing Liz Cheney up to the stage during this social media summit. And Trump is talking about how proud he was to pardon Scooter Libby. So he brings up Liz Cheney to the stage and thanks her for her input on making the decision to pardon Scooter Libby. And Mark Dice is just clapping away in the background. It's just like, what the fuck is happening here? I think a lot of these people who just became total hack um, Trump, you know, worshippers and grifters like Mark Dice, 
I think that racism was always like guiding them more than, you know, exposing the neocons or questioning the government. Racism and misogyny and anti-Muslim bias obviously is what has inspired Mark Dice the most. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, maybe it's just the conspiracy grift. Right. It's like he climbed higher and higher in the ranks of like the conspiracy grift circuit. Yeah, just these like primal instincts of like just otherizing people and being scared of sex. I mean, like just mm -hmm. the way he talks about Miley Cyrus, it's just dripping with this weird sexual repression. It's really hard to take. Um, but really he really does appeal to a certain type mm -hmm. of like incel leaning mm -hmm. um, right winger. But again, very strange that, you know, why wouldn't Paul Joseph Watson be invited? Like why? It's just strange that Mark Dice would be there. Maybe that is Trump. Maybe Trump personally fucking wanted him to go there. I mean, I'm just baffled. Yeah, it is baffling. Mark Dice has 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube. Wow. So, so he's really being censored. He's super censored and on his YouTube channel it says laughing at liberal lunatics exposing celebrity scum and debunking the fake news industrial complex. Oh wow, fake news industrial complex. That's what fake Sebastian news Gorka. Industrial complex. That's what Sebastian Gorka calls it. Speaking of Sebastian Gorka, in the Rose Garden after this social media summit, they had and this is very very bizarre. And I you've heard the term the strategy of tension before where it's sort of letting political rivals take care of your political rivals mm -hmm. um, like like by egging on violence and sort of looking the other way when it happens um, as a political tool you know you can almost look at this little situation in the rose garden almost like a strategy of tension science experiment in the rose garden where trump has his own bootlicker indie media alt media people james o'keefe and sebastian gorka and all these people sitting on one sec side of the rose garden and the msm you know, CNN and all the Washington Post people and stuff sitting on the other side of rows of chairs, almost like a wedding, like two families or something. In the middle of this fucking press conference, um, there's already some weird shit happening. Trump is still talking. And as soon as Trump's done talking, Sebastian Gorka leaps out of his chair and starts yelling at some CNN reporter, you're a punk, you're a punk. And uh, during this confrontation, a Grammy award-winning singer, uh, goes by the name Joy Via, uh, who's also <laughs> a Q promoter who wears Q earrings during her concert, gets up in the face of the CNN journalist that Gorka's running towards and starts yelling at him, you're fake news, you're fake news. And behind them, in the Rose Garden, is Mark Dice filming on his iPhone the whole scene unfolding. You are a punk! You're not a journalist, you're a punk! And next to Mark Dice in the Rose Garden is Uncle Jimbo, neocon think tanker, filming the scene on his iPhone as well, telling the CNN reporter from behind his phone, and he would have kicked your ass too. About Gorka. Oh my god. Hey, just for the record, he'd kick your punk ass. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, and that's a measure of everything. And Joy Villa, who also is a Scientologist who's tried to get on the grift for years and years, reinventing herself with the, you know, 
did the anti-abortion dress and that didn't stick. So this is like her latest thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really weird to hear her too. She's just like, we just don't want to be interviewed because you guys are fake news. What in the fuck is happening? I mean, I thought it was surreal enough when Bush went out in the Rose Garden and said, you know, we don't tolerate conspiracy theories. This is just like another level of, um, I just feel like my brain has broken a long time ago. It reminds me of the Andy No incident. Over the top. I right. mean, it's, it seems like Trump wanted this to happen. I mean, why would he bring... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he wanted like an actual fistfight to erupt, but it is, I think, part of the purpose of Trump doing this and maybe even picking people like Mark Dice, who are so lowbrow, like bottom of the barrel, is almost like to rub it in the mainstream media's face and be like, look at what I'm doing for them, like how I treat them and how much I respect them and how much I disrespect you. Like, I, I think that could mm -hmm. be part of it. He's doing it to just smear it in their faces. And it's like all he doesn't care almost like about any other aspect of it. Like even during his speech, he was like. This is a weird part of his speech, Abby. It's about 45 minutes into no, the... No, I know. I, want, I have all these quotes from it I wanted okay. to read, too. But yeah, go ahead. Let me just read. I don't know if you put this in here, but about 45 minutes in, it seems like Trump has this realization for a second, like how blatantly over-the-top partisan the whole thing was. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, and you know, it's not, just, it's not just our side. Well, I shouldn't say our side. I don't, I don't know what, who all these people are here. I mean, some of you, oh could, be, some of you could be really liberal. I, I don't know. Like right after wow. saying that he knew all of them and like personally talked to all of them. No, 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 but, no, no. He was just, but, he was, he obviously does know who they are. He was just saying <laughs> that because he knew that it was sounded bad. But then, so then he continues on to say, but you know, this affects, this affects everybody. You know, this, this, this affects both sides. He's like, almost like acknowledging that he like realizes for a second that it's like so blatantly partisan and that it does affect everybody, but that like he doesn't care and just made this all about some just like partisan show to rub it in the mainstream media's face. And then he just immediately like skips past it. He has this off the cuff, seemingly realization that it actually, that what we talk about on this podcast, that it is going to affect everybody. And that is the actual issue that's being overshadowed by this fucking bullshit idea of conservatives. I think you're giving him too much credit. People out there listening, and Abby, if you if you take the time to go back and watch it, watch the clip and tell me if what you think he meant by that. It's just strange. But I mean, he pulls all these people together to bolster this false narrative that conservatives are being censored. It is a, an entirely partisan Absolutely. event. Um, yeah. and, and the thing is, it's not even about censorship in general. First of all, none of the people that he invited have been censored. The people who have been outright censored, we can talk all day about Alex Jones and whatnot, but like people who are issuing um, threats or yeah. really, really racist tirades that, yeah, I mean, the terms of service of these companies will, will remove you from their platforms. Um, that's not the censorship that we should be concerned about. We know that Google, just like every other company, is a multi-billion dollar company that wants conservative policies enacted to give them more money so they can have tax havens and they fund both sides, you know, and, and as I was looking into who Google actually funds and Google owns YouTube, they fund a lot of, a lot of conservative think tanks and legislative entities that do just that, that actually help 
facilitate kind of these tax havens and stuff like that. So that's a totally false narrative. But I mean, none of these people, I think the main part of this is that none of these people have been censored. What Trump considers censorship is just losing followers. It's like him and Dave Rubin are obsessed with this notion that is not fucking censorship. <laughs> it's like literally just losing and gaining followers on social media platforms that overall the algorithms enormously help them. Why do you think Dave Rubin has millions of views on every of video? Course. Why is he making a shitload of money grifting on conservative talking points? I mean, how is that being censored? But every day, Dave Rubin will take to Twitter and be like, oh my God, I'm being shadow banned. I lost this many followers today. I lost this many followers today. And you look at Trump's speech. I can read you some of these quotes in the context of censorship yeah. was how he should have millions more followers, how people come up to on the streets and say, I try to follow you, president. I, I'm not able to. That's so weird that he would. That, and that, how is that even possible? I mean, yeah, maybe some Twitter glitch happened sometimes. People try to follow it's just him. It's a myth of online censorship oh, against conservatives. It's a fake partisan witch hunt against only conservatives, right? And, and of course, we're left... And the dust, the people who are really affected by this, who are not backed by right-wing billionaires, the algorithms switched and now we have lost views and audience counts on our websites. And that's real. That's real. That's really going on. Of course, no one from actual social media platforms were invited. It was just this bizarre mix of the worst trolls and shit. I mean, James O'Keefe, uh, the provocateur who tried to, you know, discredit sexual assault victims. It's unbelievable who was there, who's being legitimized and all while crying victim, all while crying that they are censored. Meanwhile, they are being platformed by the most powerful office in the world and given the biggest boost of all time. They win every time so they can still claim to be censored and then also be hosted in the White House. Yeah, it, it's so strange, too, because the more I think about the actual presentation of it all, it also does seem like sloppy to me and not really like a strong, you know, not like you would, you would think that he would try to make a more general argument that like if you're like a conservative American and you're on social media, like they're trying to censor you. Right. Like. It's like he didn't even try to like really reach out to like the general public and like really make like a meaningful case for whatever. He, it just honestly just seemed like it was all about him. He went on and on about the economy. He went on and on about the Golan Heights during a period of the speech about how proud he was of that. He brought Liz Cheney up for this to talk about Screw that Libby. That is insane. I mean, that's it, completely insane. It was barely about even the concept that we're talking about. So like right. while all these people probably, you know, are pushing that narrative, it's like Trump is barely like he's just so sloppy about it that like he's really not even, you know, other than giving them White House access, which is incredibly, you know, a huge boon for them. He's not doing a particularly good job to like help their narrative along either. It's like because no, I mean, but they I don't, don't know. Care. It's, it's yeah, just like it's, the milkshake thing. They don't need anything. To yeah. Go and I, don't, I mean, I think Trump cares even less about their plight. I don't even really think that he cares about this idea of like social media. Like, I don't even really know what his end game is by getting involved in this debate. No, I think he does care about social media because all he does is live <laughs> on Twitter and watch Fox and Friends. And I think that he absolutely is counting his followers. That's what drove this whole thing. He just wanted a, an event that to bolster his craziest QAnon conspiracy <laughs> base, gin them all up, rile everyone up. 
Meanwhile, how is the mainstream media covering this? They're all talking about how, yeah, social media is a problem, but it's because of Russian bots. And what are we going to oh do about God. Russian bots and Chinese bots Dude. with the next election to prevent Trump from winning again? That is literally what they are all saying, because to prepare for this podcast, I listened to a couple like breakdowns on MSNBC and stuff just to see what they were saying. And it just completely shifted the narrative into bots and trolls and, you know, the IRA oh, and stuff. God. And it's like, how is this happening? Because... It real if you really do look at what Trump said, can I read you a couple of these quotes of and, and get your feedback on them? So he starts the event off by saying, You guys are breaking through the fake news barrier and delivering news straight to the American public. You know, when historians look back at this, they're gonna see that a very important event had taken place. Like, what? Um, and then on and on and on he says about Twitter. He's like, People come up to me saying, Sir, we wanna follow you. They don't let us on. Um, Trump says he's much hotter than he was a few months ago. So how come a few months ago he says, it used to take me a short number of days to pick up 100,000 people on social media, but now it's, I would say, 10 times as long. Um, he says, I used to watch my Twitter followers. It'd be like a rocket ship when I put out a beauty. Oh my God. He said, like when I said, remember I said somebody was spying on me, that thing was like a rocket. What um, the he says fuck? It, he says his social media following used to just shoot up, but now it's like up, down, up, down. And even if it goes up, it goes up very slowly. Sometimes it comes down substantially, and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, He's by talking the way, all about is, his own Twitter following. Yes, yeah, that's all he did talk about. He didn't talk what about anyone else being affected fuck. by social media censorship. This is a guy named Daniel Dale. He wrote an entire Twitter thread quoting the most batshit things from Trump's entire speech. As you mentioned, I mean, it's a lot of other random shit, too. It's not just and you about... Almost social media yeah and you almost have to watch watch it it doesn't it's like you can't capture it no, just by you, quoting it yeah no and there's more I, I wanted to say more about what he says about he says his, his tweets get on tv quickly he says more so fox and cnn cnn will do a segment only if he has misspellings and he's just like now he's very very careful with spelling he's a very good speller he's like there's no doubt in my mind that i should have millions and millions of followers more he says i have millions of people so many people, I wouldn't believe it, but I know that we've been blocked. People come up to me and they say, sir, I can't get to you. I can't follow Holy you. Shit. And he said, and then, and then here, here's the craziest part. Ready? Here's the absolute craziest part. Holy like you said, there was a moment of reckoning where he was like, I don't know how many people here are liberal or not. Remember that moment that you yeah. said? Check out this moment. <laughs> he said this. He said, people are banned from social media for no reason. But then he adds, quote, in all fairness, some of you I can almost understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of you guys are out there. Even you should have a voice. He says, I mean, it's genius, but it's bad. <laughs> so he's like admitting, he's like, yeah, some of you guys are fucking he was nuts. Having, he was too punch drunk during the, if you watch the speech, he gets all like silly during some of these parts where he just, he's having like a great old time. And there's even a part where a fly flies in during his speech and he goes, where'd that fly come from? I don't like flies. <laughs> Our country is really powerful and really strong. Never been like this. Whoops. How did a fly get into the White House? I don't like that. I don't like flies. I don't like flies. So I just want to uh, tell you, just in finishing up, we had a terrible bias. And then he just like continues on with the speech. He thinks he's like a stand-up comedian still. Yeah. Right. And that's why, I mean, anyone who's watched Fahrenheit 11.9 knows that he actually ran for president just because, you know, he got 
he was pissed off about Gwen Stefani <laughs> making more money than him on The Voice. And and then he gave that crazy ass two hour long speech with all these paid actors doing the same kind of routine that he does today at these at the social media summit, just rattling off a bunch of crazy ass shit. Um, and it just again, it's like, what do you even say about it? Because it's so surreal. He's well, like a kaleidoscope, like you can't even keep track of how insane he is day to day. And then I looked at his Twitter and it was like him saying that he's so much better looking than Pocahontas and Lazy Joe and whatever. It's just like, wow. I mean, the thing I, I'm trying to get people to focus on now about this is even if you are a conservative or, or a Trump supporter, you should at least be able to see that like the mass surveillance of social media, the capabilities that these companies have, what they're choosing to show us, this is not a partisan thing for them. It is affecting people on both sides of the political spectrum. And like the idea of, even if there is some anti-conservative bias happening on social media, it's a very, very far down the list of what's actually an important issue that we we should be talking about. In regards right. to Facebook, right. Google, and Twitter. Like, these motherfuckers are spying on all of us. They're gaming right. us out. We're giving all of our data to them. I mean, private messages you send on any of these um, services can be monitored. That's not They're not protected under um, privacy laws. Look at how all these people have become who they are. Look at Mark Dice. I mean, how, how has YouTube discriminated against white nationalists, neo-Nazis, and crazy batshit, like misogynist incel people like Mark Dice. It, it actually has not. It's favored them enormously. And then you look at Facebook, just look at the facts there. Who's running Facebook? Who's working with Facebook? Who's coordinating with them to now fact check news? Snopes, Washington Post, I mean, the Atlantic Council, the Daily Caller, Weekly Standard, yeah, which Weekly I guess Standard. doesn't exist anymore. So I don't know exactly who's working for them from that department but it's quite strange i mean everything it is an information war you know these social media companies you know they're playing a role in like geopolitics now they they have the same power that like nation states do i mean google you know has been doing stuff with the hand in glove with the u.s state department since the early mid-2000s so this is just such an insignificant issue but yeah i mean i do think it is interesting that like when like Infowars and Alex Jones gets like singled out and they ban all of his things at once in a coordinated effort, like that does give the appearance that they're going after conservatives. But I think that that's actually, you're missing the point there. They're going to go after anybody who talks about 9-11. They're going to go after anybody who talks about Operation Northwoods. I mean, like it could be anybody who talks about conspiracies. So that's, that's including a lot of people on the left too. Yeah, now you just can't question any official narratives or any state narratives, um, any corporate narratives. If an event happened the way they say it did, then you got to just suck that up. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Monsanto and these companies would love to pass laws making it illegal to say that they're causing like cancer and stuff. I mean, or like make it so that you can pull any post mentioning that off social media like automatically. You know, these companies have all this impetus to make sure that they're not threatened also. So it's not a left or right thing. These companies are not liberal or conservative. They're fucking corporations. But what do you do to win an information war that has no rules, boundaries, and is not based on truth in the remotest sense? I mean, how how do you fight that? 
I don't even think you can, you could just have to like wage your own information battle using truth, intellectual honesty and on a parallel track to it. You can't, I don't even think you can engage with it. Right. You can only maybe try to debunk. But then again, it's almost like too late, you know? Well, that's true. It's like the Karl Rove while you're studying, Mm -hmm. you know, our reality, we were creating a new reality kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's to be done about it. It's very disturbing. And especially when these people are getting signal boosted by the president of the United States while victimizing themselves. One of the guys, I guess, once the cameras went away, someone reported that someone asked Trump, um, you know, what will you do to regulate these companies? And he he basically hinted that he's going to. That he's going to, like, take some sort of order, executive order, or another authoritarian measure to, like, maybe implement the fairness doctrine thing, like you were talking about, to purge an equal number of liberals and leftists. Yeah, it could be a quota system. But, yeah, I think just push pressuring them and making them feel like they already are biased against conservatives, like they're going to want to auto, they're going to want to correct Right. And they're going to adapt until the pressure is sort of not as much on them. So that's going to cause them to do something, some kind of correction or adaptation. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, though. Yeah. Well, I guess we didn't really end it on a a positive note, but is there anything else you want to say? There's a war on for your mind. There's a (laughs) war on for your mind. It's an information war. Um, I mean, my only other comment is just to support directly follow the journalists that you support and fund them directly. This is not going away. It is just going to get worse. And I say this all the time, but you have to join the actual mailing lists and listservs because we don't know where this is going to go. And um, we know it's not what, you know, obviously the, the ridiculous narrative that's being painted by the Trump administration, but censorship is a very real thing. And it's affecting actually radical dissidents online who are not yeah. conservative clickbait meme generators so Absolutely. we need to w- find a workaround and just again follow and support the journalists that you want to see be lifted up because that's all we have right now is is direct funding and mailing lists going back to before the pre-social media um consolidation and monopolization so okay, another good way to support people still um is patreon we're on Patreon uh, with our podcast, and that's probably the best way to support us um, and help keep our work going for now. You can do so at patreon.com slash Radio, And yeah, and other people as well, you know, support them if they have Patreon pages, if you like their work. Right. And just become media literate and understand how media literacy works. It, it means, you know, not rapid fire reacting to things. It means questioning narratives and it means taking a step back and analyzing things and getting all the information and um, encouraging dialogue that's constructive and also when you're looking at sources understanding the integrity and the funding behind who are you getting your information from you know and and why are they telling the story that they're telling what motivations do they have so yeah and and also remember that uh good media is usually always adversarial to those in power. So I would really discourage people out there from trusting media, even if it's alt media, that is just constantly defending Trump, even if it's going against the mainstream media establishment. I don't consider that good or intelligent media. I consider that pretty partisan and generic media. And in some cases, it's just as bad 
as MSNBC or CNN. So um, it really is just an inverse of that stuff in a lot of ways. So yeah, don't don't be fooled by it. Seek out independent, true independent media that is not in lockstep with that sphere of the of the alt media spectrum. Like Media Roots, Media Roots, Empire Files, Real News Network is still really great. Um, yeah. Truth Out, Common Dreams, Counterpunch. There's all these, you know, all of these outlets that are doing really good work. And we have to keep building them up and promoting them. So yep. thank you so much for listening. Please donate to us on Patreon, Media Roots Radio. And we really appreciate your support. And we'd love to hear what you think about this insane social media summit. So leave us your comments on the SoundCloud timeline. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks.